Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Legal Weekly Wine. This is a special edition. We are coming to you on the night of Thursday, October 19th into October 20th. So this is kind of a not quite a 24-hour deal we have going on, but we are reporting on Sidney Powell's um, guilty plea for today. We were already in the midst of taping our normal one, which is now out, so you can view that, and that's about Trump's gag orders, but this special edition is addressing specifically and only Sidney Powell's guilty plea this morning, goodness, this morning, October 19th, what it means, what it was, and what we look for to happen next. I'm Virginia Tarani. I am the, goodness, the CEO of The Law Unscripted, which hosts this podcast, as well as a practicing attorney in D.C., Virginia, and Maryland with Tarani Law, because you never need a lawyer. Tell you yeah, do. You do. Great. Now we've got everybody saying it. Excellent. We'll keep working on it. <laughs> <laughs> and with me, I have um, Chelsea Rogers, who is also with Tarani Law. And Chelsea, tell us a little bit about you. Hey, everybody. I'm Chelsea. I am a recent grad and a recent bar passer. Bar passer? Woo! There has to be a better word for that. I'm sure there is one that is just not coming to mind at the moment. It works. Lawyer. Um, Lloyd, oh, touche. <laughs> 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 uh, here and so hopefully at the end of this month i'll be sworn into the maryland bar association and i'm very excited to talk about plea deals today i, I think we we are all what very are, excited it's one of my passion topics i have a lot of feelings about plea deals i think we all do so yeah stay tuned everybody we're gonna get to dr vial in a second but truly we have been looking forward to this special episode so much that we agreed all three of us to tape this morning and tonight so that we could get both episodes out as quickly as possible to stay on top of this breaking issue. And with us then staying up late himself is the one and only Dr. Vile. Good to have you too. Thank you. May I make a pitch? Yes. So I was hoping it would be in the mail today, but it's not. So you're, uh, it's not, it doesn't show, does it? In any event. Oh, it doesn't because oh, of no. your background. The, the fifth edition of my Encyclopedia of Constitutional Amendments, proposed amendments, and amending issues. Two volumes were just published today. Congratulations. I don't have my copy, but it was published. And you can get your Kindle edition uh, from Amazon.com even as we speak. Oh, wonderful. So everybody pull out, pull out your Kindle, pull out your orders. Um, <laughs> and here we go. Oh my gosh, both of you, this is truly, I, I put out a TikTok for the Law Unscripted um, this morning in relation to this. I think all three of us, I hope to be correctly saying, have been researching and watching this issue since we stopped our original recording this morning. I know I have. Quite the in the audio version for those of you who are on the audio version, it's quite late at night and you can't see them, but they're nodding, um, yes. even though they're not saying yes out loud. So ju just for our you know audio audience, our radio audience, um, so that they know. <laughs> there have been some other events today, including a Biden speech, uh, developments yes. in the Middle East, uh, and the like. Yes, there have been. And Dr. Vile, I would like us to touch briefly on those. I know that the episode is largely focused and committed to um, this guilty plea, but 
we do want to acknowledge what else has gone on because it has been quite an event, eventful Thursday. And you have mentioned even Biden's speech this evening. We're taping even after that. Uh, so, so what were your takeaways from the day as a whole and even um, President Biden's speech? Well, again, the other big event that we touched on earlier today is the race for the speaker continues. Mm. Uh, there was some thought that the third vote on Jordan might be today. It's been postponed till tomorrow. I guess the day that most people are going to be uh, yeah. viewing. It doesn't, it looks like his support is slipping. And part of it is coming from the perception. And I, it's hard to know whether to blame him for this or just people who, who are adamant followers. Right. But many of the, many of the congressmen are reacting to what they perceive to be improper um, pressure on them. And, the, you know, this goes to what we were talking about this morning. Um, the gag order for for Trump largely centers on you can't say something that would be likely to incite right. someone to lawless action, uh, particularly violence against uh, a, an individual. And I think, you know, the pressure got so strong that people said, you know, if we don't if we don't stop this now, imagine what it's going to be like if he's speaker and he tries to whip us into a vote, you know, are they going to call on our constituents every time? You know, people don't like to be pushed around. And right. And especially you know, threatened with, you know, death threats. Well, and again, he may not be, you know, I I doubt, I don't think he was making these calls and he may not have even intentionally encouraged it, but we live in a time where passions are so strong that it, you know, it if you have a dry forest, uh, the implications of putting a lighted match there are much stronger than they are if you, than if you're in a monsoon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a little bit of update. Truly, everyone, Thursday has been a little crazy. Um, but, and and let, honestly, I expect Friday to be a little crazy too. Let, let me add the one thing so we Please. can we've covered it with, with the Biden speech. Uh, I think what Biden is trying to do is sort of look ahead if this situation in the House can be resolved one way or the other, you know, Republicans, a lot of them don't want to give on aid to Ukraine, but would be in very precarious position if they didn't get, give aid to Israel and to some degree, vice versa. And so I think he's and and I think actually the linkage that he makes uh, is a very logical linkage mm -hmm. uh, appeasement wherever it occurs, you know, and in, you know, some of. Uh, Biden's opponents, although I think it also applied to uh, to Trump, would argue that one of the things that emboldened people was our hasty retreat from Afghanistan. Uh, it made us look weak. And when we look weak, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. And wow. the United States, for better or worse, you know, we have been sort of the world's policeman. We've been the only, you know, the major superpower in, in, after the basic demise of the Soviet Union. Um, and when our when our credibility is hurt, uh, the occasions for foreign aggression are increased. And you know, Ukraine certainly by comparison to Russia, and Israel certainly by comparison to Hamas, you know, which hasn't had an election, I believe now in seventeen years. These right. are democratic players. You know, these are people whose ideals are more closely aligned with ours than those of of the more authoritarian regimes. Mm. Okay. Definitely good thoughts. And by the time this program airs, since we are going from the night into the morning, um, 
you, our viewers and listeners may already be seeing what's happening with the beginning of the trial for Kenneth Chesbro. Um, as we know, what's been happening is tomorrow, Friday, when you will be listening, um, the 20th, October 20th, is supposed to be the start of jury selection for Kenneth Chesbro and Sidney Powell. And these are two of the 19 defendants who were charged in the state um, prosecution in Georgia, by, brought by Fonnie Willis and her office for election fraud, um, racketeering. And ultimately, Trump was the number one indictee, right? The, the one we're all focused on. But along with him, these, these 18 lead like a, a list of, you know, the top of the top of who we've been watching and seeing in the Trump election scheme or the, the I, I hate to use in, insightful words, um, trying to use more neutral words, but at least since the 2020 election, um, the players that we've been seeing more often, such as Rudy Giuliani, um, attorney John Eastman, Mark Meadows, Kenneth Chesbra, We've got um, Sidney Powell, of course, and then uh, what are some of the others? There's there's another one or two that are are higher ranking names. Jenna Ellis, I think, is fairly well known in all of this, but a, a list of who's who, right, in the Trump election and the campaign. And Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbro made the biggest gamble in this case. And we've talked about it on this show of did they make a mistake by demanding speedy trial? And and Chelsea, you're smiling. So uh, I, I know you've got a, a thought or two as to whether they did make a mistake that brought us to today. I think it's really interesting. Um, and I know we've talked about it on here before, but trial strategy is the most fascinating part, fascinating part of the law to me. And especially these things of like, Generally, it, excuse me, my cat is yelling. So if you can hear that audio listeners, I do apologize. Um, <laughs> perfect. But the idea of a speedy trial, like obviously you have these constitutional rights and it's that the prosecution doesn't have a lot of time to get together their evidence, right? Like that's the strategy version of it is that you kind of force them into a trial more quickly than they may have wanted to. Right. But now we have a plea deal and then we have, I, I don't know. I have a feeling, gut feeling that we're going to get another plea deal tomorrow, but we'll see. Yeah, we're on the on the steps of the courthouse, uh, the late night deal, the um, deal on the steps of the courthouse. All of the phrases you can think of is truly the last minute deal. And and many attorneys refer to this. It's a known game so to speak. I'm in the civil arena now, but I did more than 10 years with, with the criminal world on both sides of the fence, on each side at, at, at different times. Um, both a criminal and a victim? Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even in the civil world now, um, it's the same as people will play the, the end game, almost like playing chicken. Yeah. You know, who's- I'm not going to settle. Take me to court, right? Like that's the game. Exactly. So the question and, is, okay, mm -hmm. from the non-lawyer, the question is, my understanding is Chesboro has already been offered like one felony instead of six or eight and apparently turned it down. 
So that is what's if, been leaked to the okay. media. So mm -hmm. if you are the if you're the prosecutor, does it mean enough to you not to have to go through an extra four or five months of trial and to have two convictions nailed down prior to the next one to offer him misdemeanor charges, which is what they did for Powell, as opposed to what was reported to be on the table? So instead of a felony, I think yeah. I think they're. Yes, overall, I think would be the option is that there is an incentive for them where the more players fall, the more they have against Trump. So the more, you know, the more ammo they have in their weapons, so to speak, um, that if they because each of them, we've only had two so far out of the 19 but the bail bondsman who also pled guilty to, I believe, five misdemeanors, his deal was the same as Powell's in the sense that they both had to agree to testify in future trials um, regarding this, this affair. So if they continue to fall, the more of them that continue to have the agreement that includes that language that they will testify against or in the other trial, I guess not against, but in the other trials mm -hmm. um, that come through, then that's one more witness against Trump. Yeah. May and if he is the one question. you're, yeah, in just a second. But yeah, if he is, if he is the ultimate goal, I think the prosecutors could say, yes, I'll give him, you know, they make a call. I'll give him the same deal that Sydney took. But yes, go ahead, Dr. Vile. So if, if Chesborough goes to trial by himself, can he say, why is it if there's a conspiracy of 19 people, I'm the only one they're coming after in this trial? If, if he would say that, can the prosecution say, well, the only reason is you asked to come to trial early? So he I can't don't, pull that, yeah. right? I mean, you say it's a conspiracy and I'm the only one left. How can I aspire with them? But they would be able to introduce evidence that others are to be tried still. I don't think they can technically, I, I don't think either side can technically say that there are other defendants, um, except in impeachment terms. And they're going to have to craft really fine language as to how to say it to the jury, because Ultimately, it's not the full indictment that's read to the jury at the beginning is, you know, today we're in the case of, you know, ladies and gentlemen of the jury who are sitting for the voir dire and come together. You are listening to the state of Georgia versus Kenneth John Chesbro. Yes. And that's how it's read. It's not the entire indictment. It's not Trump has, at all that they're reading out. There's there's no I mean, Trump is going to be mentioned right. in the trial, but it's not read off in his right charges and what would be mentioned is this count one which you know most of them not all of them but most of them have been charged with is well maybe it is all of them let me check my my trusty actual indictment here it is all of them all every single one has been charged under one which is the violation of the georgia rico act and we're going to talk about that dr vile i know that's super important um so you can say, I expect, if it follows most patterns of most criminal trials, and I believe it would be the same in Georgia, 
you would be able to say he's being charged with this RICO violation, meaning that he and others conspired. And you can list the others because you have to talk about them. You have to say that he's part of a conspiracy, that he's part of a network. And you have to know who those players are in order to know where he fits in the organization. But they may be barred, depending on their motions in Lemonade, their protective order motions. They may be barred from specifically saying, this one pled guilty, this one hasn't had a trial. And that's my guess, is that there's going to be very fine limits placed on what can and cannot be said to the jury. They can, I I am convinced, that they will be able to say if Sidney Powell testifies against right. Kenneth Chesborough, well, you were on trial for the same things, weren't you? Well, you that were is acceptable. For, yeah. mm-hmm. You were indicted. Well, you were you indicted pled. for felonies. Right. You played, yeah. You got a sweetheart deal, didn't you? Yeah. Deal of the century. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You go from seven, you're indicted under seven felonies, and then you end up pleading to six misdemeanors that as long as you can comply with the terms of the probation under Georgia's first offender act are gone if as long as she pays what she needs to she's you know does her six years of probation or whatever her record's clean what a deal yeah what a deal I'll drink to that so since it's the weekly wine and it's so late we do have our wine um Chelsea and I Dr. Vile, did you have your water at least this time? I do, yes. Okay, okay, good. We're all drinking tonight. I have gone back to the battlefield white um, through Mariah's Vineyards. I do think the battlefield is the way to go. It seems like that's what we're all on on the world and and national and international stages. Um, Chelsea, what did you choose tonight? I am sticking with my choice from earlier. Good old winking owl from Aldi. It's growing on me, though. Earlier, it was hitting me a little rough. I'm not going to lie. I was just not prepared for it. It's a little less sweet than the wine I like to drink, but I think, I think it's growing on me. Okay. Well, well, cheers again, everybody. Thank you both for staying up so late with me um, to do this. I, it just seems too monumental not to address. So cheers. Okay. Now, Dr. Vile, I'm coming back to you because before we started this program tonight, you reminded me um, that we had done an episode previously about the Georgia election case. And we had discussed, I believe Chelsea and I actually had done this, um, that we had discussed in detail what the case meant, how it was defined, and touching on RICO. What is the racket, you know, the violation of Georgia RICO, the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act? And I think it is important tonight on this program to actually define RICO. What is this crazy law that they're all indicted under, 19 people are indicted under, and how does it, and in this way, I think, Dr. Vile, I want to Chelsea, I'd love for you to do the definition, and Dr. Vile, I'll turn to you afterwards to try to connect the dots between Kenneth Chesbro's part in this and Sidney Powell's, because they're a little bit separated. So, Chelsea, um, give us a quick definition of what this act is. 
Yes. And so I actually pulled it from Georgia. So we're going to talk about the racketeering activity and what it says. I'm reading right off of the Georgia statute right here. Um, engaging in at least two acts of racketeering activity in furtherance of what are more incidents, schemes, or transactions that have the same or similar intents, results, accomplices, victims, or methods of commission, or otherwise are interrelated by distinguishing characteristics and are not isolated incidents. Provided That's at not least- clear. No, this is okay. So this is what, this is <laughs> word salad. Saying, I mean, you can keep reading, but no, this is word salad, right? What they're saying is essentially any group of people who do more than one act together in furtherance of the same goal, if it is an immoral or illicit goal, you are racketeering. It's Georgia's definition is so broad that all of those words I just said meant absolutely nothing because <laughs> I can't think of a single thing that doesn't fit into that, you know, like. Yeah, I, th I think the biggest thing is, you know, corrupt acts. Yeah, that's the idea. I think the basis of of the statute of that and similar statutes, the federal racketeering yeah. um, act that they, they all began with an idea that you could get to minions fairly easily, but you couldn't get the boss. So you had to create a law that would get to the boss. And Giuliani um, specialized in this. Didn't he? Mostly I know. Against organized crime. That's how he made his reputation. And yeah. so the, there are elements, of course, he's not in this trial. He'll be in the next if right. it happens. But there are elements of Greek tragedy here. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone who's sort of hoisted on his own petards. Yeah. No, it, it's very true is because that that is how he made his mark, how he, you know, and of course he was the mayor. Um, but that's how later. he, yeah. right, later. Yeah. But that's how he brought himself up. That's how he distinguished himself in his career is these federal RICO charges and bringing down organized crime. And that's what it's for is to hit organized crime, to show that a there's an enterprise. Yeah. There is a, an organization, there's a corrupt organization, even if they don't file for an LLC down at, you know, at, at the tax division in the county, whatever they call themselves, they're an organization. And not all the players have to know about each other. They don't all have to know the whole thing. They don't all have to be involved in the whole thing. If it's a gang or a drug dealer, you don't know who Joe Blow is down on the street selling, right. you know, your final product, but you don't have to. Right. As I mean, long Escobar as definitely didn't meet all of the people who are on the street slinging his drugs, right? Like that's the thing that right? he right. definitely didn't know. He could walk past his own drug dealer and have no idea. Right. So the way they're setting this up is all of these 19 little people are involved in an overall scheme to overturn a an election that went for Biden. So to wrongfully overturn, to interfere with, to interfere with the polling, the the ballots, oaths of officers, to do all of this to basically remove a lawfully sat president, lawfully elected president, and replace with someone who was not lawfully elected um, is the overall scheme. And Dr. Vile, that brings me back to you as to how in the world then, if we're looking at this as a, a racketeering enterprise with organized crime, if we look at Trump as the head of it, as the boss we have to get to, where in the world do Kenneth Chesbro and Sidney Powell fit in this? 
Well, they're both his attorneys, or were at mm. one time. Uh, they both peddle, I don't know if that's a legal term, but they both presented themselves in press conferences where they made very strong allegations against Dominion voting machines, mm. against poll workers, against a whole variety of people that have proven uh, not to be true. Uh, and in Shesborough's case, if I understand it, he seems to be maybe with Eastman, one of the architects of, you know, how do we get an alternate group of electors that can claim that they have the votes of Georgia or whatever states are involved? And so, you know, but I think it went beyond, it appears to have gone behind beyond clever lawyering. Why don't we try this? Well, you can try this if this isn't illegal or immoral <laughs> or, or both. And it appears as though this one was illegal. You know, you're you're getting people to certify that they have been elected when they have not been elected. Uh, and they certify that under oath. Uh, and so, you know, he's he's essentially, if assuming the charges are proven, you know, he essentially has led others. And you know, what, what often happens in these criminal, well, you call it a criminal enterprise in a, in a RICO case, but often you, you only get so far up the ladder. Right. And who knows what, what prosecutors might be willing to give if they thought they could directly pen, you know, Trump, who they believe to be the primary mover here. Um, now, I want to ask another question as a layperson, because you've mentioned how much bargaining takes place uh, right before a trial and the possibility that Shesborough may may join mm -hmm. Powell. Um, tell me when that ends. Can that, once the trial starts, is it then too late? Or, I mean, you can do for Not at do all. it in the middle of a trial? You absolutely can. Um, you can do it until the jury comes back with their answer. Okay. But, um, but you'd have to have both sides willing, right? So yes, yes. the the prosecution, if they're having if they're having a good case, they have little incentive to to bargain as right now they don't know for sure how the case is going to go, how it would be perceived. So the likeliest time would be before and and I mean, am I right on if you're on behalf of the state, if you spent a month and you know, God knows how many dollars and how many people you've inconvenienced, you're probably going to be less willing to extend a bargain than if somebody takes your plea and saves you the trouble. Absolutely. Unless, I was going to say, unless, you yeah. know, you're in the middle of the trial, the defendant realizes it's over for them, but they have right. a critical piece of information. And right. if that person has enough to bargain with that, right. it's worth letting the kind of little fish go. Sure because that information that's the other thing which would be interesting if he does have information he's holding on to for an mm -hmm. opportune moment um I mean, am i right it's in trump's interest presumably for chesborough not to plead correct both because he's not going to testify against trump but also this way the prosecution needs to advance much of the evidence that they would later use in a Trump case. So yes. if the case goes forward, Trump will have a preview in many respects of, of what to expect in a way that 
if there's a plea bargain, he does not have the same preview. So yes. the prosecution actually has a fairly high incentive still to bargain here. I, uh, I absolutely agree. Probably, probably will not, you know, unless the trial just turns out to be a disaster, he probably will not have a much stronger case than he will tomorrow morning for giving me a lower a lower plea. I agree. I think if anything, it, here are my thoughts, which I'm sharing anyway and continue to share. Um, so I want to start with the the thought and the 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 reminder that Chesbro and Powell were forced together in this trial. Yes, that they both they were the only ones who demanded speedy trial and under Georgia's very strict speedy trial rules, they had to be done before the end of October or they had to be started. Chesbro was first, right? He was. So he, in a way, got sort of sidetracked. I mean, I don't know why. I, I, I hope it's, well, I don't know why I feel this, but I feel that Powell is a little bit lower hanging fruit than he is and that her her statements and press conferences seem far more outrageous. And there, you know, seems to be evidence that even among her own team, she was regarded as something of an outlier. So remember, I think when we, we had a discussion before that, well, you know, Chesborough, maybe he's made a good move in trying to go mm-hmm. first, but then when he was joined by Powell, it's like he groaned, uh, you know, this, yeah, he, this may not be somebody who wants to be, a, and maybe she feels the same way. I mean, oh, they I, did. And I they did though, it. because yeah. they both filed motions to, you know, to sever their cases right. from each other. They said, we don't want to be in the same case. I'll take one and you take another time. Right. Um, and their assertions were essentially, I was, I'm being charged, not that I was in this because they don't want to plead to it. I'm being charged with this piece of it. Mm -hmm. And I never met with the other person. I never talked with the other person. I don't know who they are, what they do, except for what's in the press. And I don't want to be associated with them. And especially Chesbro seemed to to really have a a very strong argument against being joined with Sidney Powell um, to very similar terms, if I recall in the press, that he didn't want to be associated with that crazy person um, who's even got her own, you know, her own nickname in in most of the press of the Kraken. So, which is not a a nice nickname, um, but was used when she was doing the press conferences initially after the election results were coming in and made some kind of reference, if I recall, to, you know, she was about to release the Kraken. Um, uh, you know, this you better tell us what that is because it's not a mythical is- sea monster right. where in, in mythology, it would the, the sea monster would come out of the depths, and I believe they sacrificed a virgin to him or something. Don't you know, don't it's quote like Pirates me on of it. the Caribbean. Well, I mean, it's, it's used in the Pirates, of but the no, Caribbean. but was, that's what I'm saying for reference for people who need a picture, it's in those <laughs> movies. <laughs> Oh. Okay, that's not where it comes from, but I'm no, going to know. Like, I'm a total mythology nerd, but I'm just saying for my friends okay, out I'm there. I'm going to test Chelsea's knowledge. What okay. would what would Thomas Hobbes have called it? Oh, gosh. You know? Is his greatest book title? Leviathan? No, that's okay, not him. Virginia. Anyway, I was going to answer the same thing was Leviathan. That's I don't know. Yeah, Leviathan. Oh, yeah. I was right. Okay. Yeah, Leviathan is his major work. Okay, good. That's what I was all, thinking. All, but all then political I, theorists teach. Yes. I, 
Yes, but then I second guess myself. So I was over That's here mumbling, and you, you mumbling can tell he wasn't an attorney because <laughs> no attorney could use words like the life of man is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. <laughs> and it reminds me of a little advertisement for somebody that I do not know, but I publish from time to time for the Law Book Exchange, which is located oh. in New Jersey. And I see that they have a book coming out which looks really endearing on law in Charles Dickens. Oh. And they deal both with Charles Dickens's personal encounters with the law and then his portrayal of laws and legal proceedings in his novels. Oh, that's Doesn't that sound fun? That does. That do it really does. That does sound good. So while you're reading that and then also going back to Thomas Hobbes and the Leviathan, you can think of Sydney Powell. I've gotten us off track. <laughs> no, that's, that's what okay. happens when you interview me this late at night. No, I'm it's just okay. glad that I didn't get it wrong. I was really panicked there for a second. No, you did. Because that was the only thing I could think of. But then I was like, I don't know. Yep. Okay, Virginia, you've been asking a lot of questions. Yeah, no. Oh, a theory me... at you. Yeah, no, I, I got to finish my theory okay. first. I've been dying for it. Okay, yes. Um, but let's come back to yours for sure. Okay, so... So they both, right? They did not want to be tried together. Absolutely. They, especially Chesborough. He's like, I don't want to be associated with the Kraken. I am afraid <sighs> that, and she made similar, but that, I mean, that was what they yeah. put out in the press. I don't think they actually said that in legal pleadings, though. I don't know. You know, honestly, yeah. I just don't know. But the idea is that there's going to be a stink upon the other party. Yeah. Where if they become so enraged against one party and they so dislike the one, well, the other one's sitting over there too together. And if I associate them, then the stink of one's going to, you know, become the stink of both. That's a legal term, right? The stink. Oh, absolutely. It's got to be in some cases. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you look at them, you combine the people who are sitting in the same courtroom with the, the all the same actions and and they just kept saying you know look look we're on two Chesborough's in this false elector scheme um she Sydney Powell's in the polling interference scheme so they're two totally separate schemes alleged schemes in this wider conspiracy and honestly i think that that Chesborough has been outlasting her and i think if anything and i goodness knows i've made some wrong wrong choices here <laughs> on this show throughout the the last year but i have a thought that he is going to at least start the trial um now that he is alone without sydney powell i think that's what he wanted anyway he was disgusted and disappointed to be put together with him. Now it's him by himself and his lonesome, which he prefers. I think it gives his attorneys the way to try to exclude some evidence as irrelevant because it doesn't have anything to do with what he did or did not do. So he might be able, depending on the legal maneuvering and the, the law that they put behind it, he may be able to keep out much of the alleged conspiracy after his actions and may completely be able to divest himself mm -hmm. of anything regarding Sidney Powell 
the Dominion voting systems, the, the election workers, and just focus on the fake electors and say, look, you know, his whole defense of, look, I'm an attorney. Yeah. I, I think about legal arguments all the time, and I thought I had a credible basis to make this argument. So in my mind, I think he's relieved. I think he will go forward. But Dr. Vile, to your point, I think he'll he'll be looking over the next month, seeing how it plays out. And then if it's really going badly, he said he they could call the prosecution back up and say, let's revisit. The prosecution says, that's great, but the deal's not half as sweet as it used to be. Yeah. Because you've caused us to go through already a month of this. But there at no point is he required to continue to plead not guilty. Even in front of the jury, even before it comes back, he can plead guilty at any time without a plea deal. I don't know if it's in his best interest to do so, but he doesn't have to have a plea deal in order to plead guilty. By the All way, right, that was my long-winded okay. idea. And Chelsea needs to say something, but I need to tell you something that's <laughs> going to deflate you just a little bit. Oh, no! Oh, no! So, I was okay, I'm an... cutting. I'm cutting Dr. Vile off now. Okay, <laughs> Go so ahead. I was, I was at a, picking up some things from an auction the other day, and I came directly from work, so I had my suit on. And she said, "Are you an attorney?" And I said, "No, I'm a professor." And she said, "Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's okay." <laughs> I think she she really was going to come after me if I was an attorney. So there are some oh, no. advantages. <laughs> well, at least it's only one attorney rather than two yes. sitting there. Well, that's true. <laughs> Chelsea, thank you for letting me finish. I've been saving that up all night, but no, please go ahead. I think it's a good point, and mine kind of tags along with that. So a little addition to your theory instead mm -hmm. of separate. Um, we've been talking about how much of a sweetheart deal this plea offer was and you can hear my cat screaming for his dinner i hope you I guys actually enjoy can the, hear him oh, you enjoy the dulcet tones of cat screams i hope <laughs> um but this is my theory because that is such a good deal like i mean truly such a good deal i that think powell has that powell has i mean i think any of your criminal defendants would have been happy to have such a sweet deal in any of their cases but from the prosecution side part of me wonders once they decided that they were going to be together Powell and Chesbro were going to be together. If the prosecution, this because this is what I would do, my baby attorney self, <laughs> thinking trial strategy, right? I would say, great, there is one deal on the table. It mm. is a really, really sweet deal. Whoever takes it first gets it. And like, this is a thing that happens. It and is. Part of me wonders if that's what happened here because of just how nice the deal is. And let, let me add, yeah. let me ask something here. I'm asking more than telling because I'm not sure. But when I looked at the deal with Powell, mm -hmm. yes, I think she's guilty of far worse than she's yeah. pled to. But she is also, right, a litigant in civil cases. Yes. And she has now on the table admitted, or I'm assuming she's had to admit or going to have to admit, that she purposely purveyed falsehoods that worked against Dominion voting machines and perhaps poll workers, has she set herself, may it be that the penalty she gets is larger in a civil case that would follow than in the criminal case that's been charged? You have hit on the second thing I've been dying to say. Oh, okay, good. Can I give you my next theory? Absolutely. Yes. 
y'all have been so you have to excited about this. I am going to answer. <laughs> my my theory is going to give you an answer. Okay. I think the exact deal that she got has just, she believes it saved her in these cases. Yes. Including any ethics issues with her own Texas bar license. Because she has, so Dr. Vile, I know you're referring to, there's at least one civil um, case against her right now for millions of dollars by yeah. Dominion Voting Systems, which has been also against Fox News and Trump and Giuliani. Um, Mike Lindell, I think, is also one of the litigants in, in his own suit. Um, so that started in January 2021. Um then there have been multiple sanction attempts against her bar license in Texas. And there might be more than that. Those are the two civil pieces that I know, but there might be more. And I also have reason to believe, um, and I don't think I'm I'm telling lies, and I hope that they're supported, but I have reason to believe that um, this month was supposed to be the time when she was giving depositions in the Dominion case, um, which is definitely excellent timing with regard to the criminal case because there are Fifth Amendment issues, right? Is, you, you know, you have the right not to incriminate yourself. And if she had to use, you know, if she had to testify in the civil case, would that testimony then be used against her in the criminal case? And if I... If I am right, um, but I do encourage viewers and listeners to go and check me on this. Um, if I am right, I believe she requested a postponement of the discovery answers and the depositions so that she could keep, you know, the, her Fifth Amendment rights while she was dealing with the criminal trial. By pleading guilty, um, she has now saved herself because she no longer has the rights not to incriminate herself in this trial um, because she's pled guilty. So there the are no, trial. correct, there are no more privileges in the criminal trial. Right. So she cannot and does not have to plead the fifth in a yeah. civil deposition, in a civil hearing. Um, she can testify um, for those. She can sign answers under oath now without technically a fear of incriminating herself. But my overall fun idea, fun in the sad sense of the word, um, legally interesting, how's that? Legally interesting idea is that I think she might have saved herself because Dr. Vile, I, I like the words you were using when you were asking your question is because you were targeting, you know, you and Chelsea, I think have both been assuming that, well, she will have been convicted of essentially crimes of lying, cheating and stealing. Right. Right. But uh, that's not what she's been no. convicted of. The original her original false selector scheme indictments were felonies. They were all felonies, but those were to commit election fraud, commit computer theft, Mm -hmm. um, computer um, invasion of privacy, conspiracy to defraud the state. So those were specific theft related 
fraud and theft related statutes that had she been convicted under them, not only would they have been felonies, um, but they are also crimes of lying, cheating or stealing. That would be, yes, moral turpitude, crimes of moral turpitude. And instead, this is such a sweetheart deal because not only is it now misdemeanors with no jail time, um, but the actual misdemeanors are six, six of intentional interference with performance of election duty. Which so, does not sound like a lying crime to me. It is not a technically a crime of lying, cheating, or stealing, or moral so turpitude. So she's she's better off well better off than she had been convicted but is correct she better off than if she hadn't pled and and was exonerated um not okay not in that way i love oh i love that that's great thinking for this late in the evening um <laughs> especially from a non-lawyer yes. right <laughs> look okay you may be a non-lawyer but you are an expert in constitutional law the constitution Politics. Clearly, the Constitution doesn't have very much to do with this case. Look, politics. <laughs> <laughs> you are a political science okay. scholar. This is what okay. all of this is and the law. Okay. Anyway, um, so if she had been found not guilty, no, it's, that is the best of the best, right? You go through this whole trial and you're completely exonerated. You're found not guilty. Um now, you know, there's the court of public opinion, just like with Casey Anthony and, and O.J. Simpson. But um, legally speaking, you're best off in civil cases and ethical issues, et cetera, if you're found guilty of nothing. But beyond that, misdemeanor is a lot better than a felony. And a crime not of moral turpitude is a lot better than a crime of moral turpitude. Mm. And in Texas, this, do you, have you all seen that the ethics, they've been going after Pal for her bar license for a couple yes. of years now. So they started by saying, because there's been multiple of these complaints and disciplinary hearings, right? right? They started by saying that she essentially is filing frivolous lawsuits, which you're mm -hmm. not allowed to do. Um but somebody did, I don't know if you guys saw this, with her recent plea, you know, as of a couple hours ago, my fake watch, I'm checking, um, <laughs> that someone from the Texas Bar Association did give a statement that said there currently are disciplinary proceedings happening, but this plea will not be brought into it at all. And and that, I've been seeing similar things. Um, and Dr. Brown, I'm not sure if you've even seen, seen much about well, this. There's, there's similar questions involving John Eastman in California. Mm -hmm. and, and Giuliani, if I remember, has already been disbarred from at least one state on the basis at least. of evidence, you know, similar evidence. Yeah, he, he definitely was. And Michael Cohen was, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, separate from and the elector scheme, but he right. was yeah. he's also been disbarred. And there's not a great track record of Trump attorneys here. Um, but from my understanding, there have been multiple allegations made against Sidney Powell through the, the Bar Disciplinary Committee or mm -hmm. to the Bar Disciplinary Committee in Texas. And they continue to fail. I am not certain what is currently on the table. 
And I saw um, I saw a fascinating article earlier tonight, and I honestly can't remember where it was, but but another attorney, a Texas attorney, was claiming that, well, this one's really got her this time because it's there's there's a a passage somewhere in Texas where you get disbarred for quote serious crimes. Um, so even misdemeanors, but I looked it up of theft, embezzlement, fraud, or conspiracy for similar crimes. I think she just took herself out of that. Because Maybe she's what a she's... better attorney than we thought she was. Right? I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Crazy I would... as a fox. You I... heard that what? term? <laughs> yes, crazy as a fox. I mean, there's a reason she was good as an attorney in many ways. And I think she looked at this and said, wow, I can take myself out of this, quote, serious crimes clause by pleading to misdemeanors that don't have anything to do with theft or fraud, where I was facing multiple felonies for theft or fraud or conspiracies for theft or fraud, I'll take care of everything. I'll do a couple years probation, which basically means don't violate any more laws. And now that I'm not working for Trump anymore, that probably isn't, you know, very likely. I don't know, but I think she she weighed her pros and cons and this sweetheart deal, I think, was too good to pass up. And I am wondering, is Chesbro going to get a better one, a similar one, or is he out of luck as of Friday morning? I think it depends on what information he has. That's the key, right? Like, what does he know? And can he give the prosecution something worth bargaining for that they can't get from her? He does seem to be, and Dr. Viola, how do you speak on this? That that leads, Chelsea, that's a great lead into a, a little piece here where of all of the players in this in this terrible play, in this tragedy that we're that is unfolding, the Shakespearean tragedy we're witnessing, um he Chasborough seems to be a larger player, at least with Trump himself. Where you can say Sidney Powell's one of the larger um, front people, public, great word, public figures. But when it comes to the backroom deals, when it comes to the original conspiracies, how are we going to do this? The person on the ground, so to speak, with Trump, at least as alleged in this very lengthy indictment, the continuous acts he continues to be listed over and over and over as in discussions with Trump. So um, he's maybe the John Dean. Oh, how so? Well, John Dean was the counsel to President Nixon. And it was okay. his, he was in on all the meetings. He's the, you know, he's the one who, before the tapes were revealed, said, you know, on this date at this time, there were four of us in the meeting and President Nixon said this and Haldeman said this and they're looking at him. So he's yeah. more of the insider. And if he were to flip, it would probably be a far. And, you know, his advice probably was not nearly as public as Powell's was. And so would be more use. You know, we already sort of know what what Powell has said. We don't necessarily know what advice he gave or what Trump was was telling him. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a great analogy. And it seems, especially in reading, I know not everybody's going to, like me, um, read this very lengthy indictment, but in reading it, that's how it reads, is he's the backroom dealer. 
um, the one making the calls on Trump's behalf, the one who created this scheme, who cooked it up and started pushing the, you know, pushing and, the drugs, so to speak, would, that Sidney Powell bought. He would be similar in that respect, probably to Mark Meadows. Mm. Had, I mean, had a similar, you know, he seems to be the one getting the phone calls, particularly on January the 6th. And, you know, w whether he did anything about him is a little bit harder to ascertain. But if anybody knew what was happening, it was probably him. Right. Yeah. He seems closer to um, an Eastman as well, as he and Eastman seem to be the two attorneys that were writing and passing memoranda about um, how to cast these fake electoral votes, how to find fake electors, how to get them to sign certain things, how which states you would need them. Um, so the overall planning, they seem to be the planners um, versus Sidney Powell, who seems to have been the public mouthpiece that everyone would see versus the people behind the scenes and behind the schemes. So I do think that catching Chesbro with a plea deal would probably be the bigger fish. And quite honestly, the one that would scare Trump a lot more than Sidney Powell, because I think he could be very dismissive of Powell of what the Kraken, you know, all of a sudden the jury is like, Oh yeah, that crazy person. And it's, he's not the crazy person is the idea to pass in front of a jury. So I think he, in my mind, he would be less scared of her having made a deal then if Cheeseboro, Chesboro, I, I apologize, we've been going back and forth on pronunciations, um, then if he makes a deal. So maybe by the time this airs, when he's on the courthouse steps, he's already making the deal we're discussing now, but it will be interesting to see. And there's the pause. Does anyone have, I, I spent but the whole time excited. in to... our lives if the trial doesn't go on for the next three months? Oh, gosh, and we're going to have to wait till January. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now now chelsea <laughs> just... as an attorney it has been it's like the johnny depp trial where people you know they want to see it no they i'm want no, no, no. To know. sorry let me clarify i am frustrated because i either want to be in it in it or done with it like i yeah. want to be there live you're not going to admit you to the jury even <laughs> look, if you are from georgia it's it's not gonna happen <laughs> look fulton county call me okay i can promise i can be unbiased <laughs> that's what i'm saying i need to go like do some investigative reporting like mom i'm coming home i gotta go to a trial okay either want to be like in it or for it to be done <laughs> i i have been on the edge of my seat as an attorney in this time um certainly not a happy time, certainly not something I'm excited about in the sense of a, a joyful or, or pleasurable excitement, but more of the the legal theories that are being propounded, um, mm -hmm. the legal players and the cases. It, it is like being in the time of, of a Watergate, yeah, where and, it seems know, momentous. One of the consequences of Watergate for your profession was a lot of people went into the law at that time. Uh, because because it was so much in the news and you know frankly these kind of cases i mean they're not as maybe as consequential to people's individual lives as collecting for an automobile accident or or or, or something like that but they seem you know they seem lawyers sort of take the role that de tocqueville you know once talked about that they're sort of the aristocrats 
mm. American society and, and that they have an undue or not undue, but disproportionate impact. And so I, I would expect, you know, part partly depending on, on the results here, but that a lot of people may be stimulated to think about law in a way they previously hadn't as, you know, here's a way to stamp out corruption or to assure the survival of democracy or not, you know, right for either side, quite frankly, for either side. And, and, you know, I, I get picked on a little bit and, and us in a group on the show get, get labeled more Trump haters, whether we are, or we aren't. I, I try to be as unbiased as possible. And we try to overall give a more neutral opinion, or at least say when one is one toward or I against consider myself one side. A democracy, Republican, small R, defender yeah not a hater uh, frankly that for the first time on air i'm i'm going to to call myself a, a fairly best probably best labeled as an independent um virginia i will say you're the i feel like the most moderate person i know and like all of your opinions like truly i didn't mean that as a compliment like i feel like you and this is why you're so good at being an attorney is you very much do see the both sides to things. And you are truly like the most moderate person I think I've ever met in real life. Well, and, and I appreciate you saying that. So, so people can see it's not just an act. Um, um, but <laughs> for that, I think it's, I think especially for tonight and for these trials, um, whichever side you fall on these, these are very sensitive times. Um, and e even words that we think are neutral, um, times when we know we're not neutral or times where we think we're trying to be neutral, both sides will find fodder where they want to, both sides, um, to exclaim that we are pro-Trump or anti-Trump or, or other labels. All I ask for all of you who are listening, um, certainly like and follow us so that you can see our next shows, follow along as we go through um, the coming months. Yeah. But please feel free to leave a comment, but please, honestly, quite frankly, we, we don't need the hate perpetuated on our show in the comments. Um, and we have been quite in, in all seriousness, we have been getting comments on, especially on our TikTok, where we pull out portions of our shows where we've gotten very angry and, um, uh, comments, including many curse words. And that's just unnecessary. You know, we're no not trying to... to watch, right? Right. If you don't like it, just move on. Scroll you on. don't have to post those comments. Or tag me because I'm mean and Virginia's not. You can, you can go ahead and shoot it <laughs> straight at me. Um, yeah, but whatever like, okay. you do, don't come after a college professor. No, you're not no. a lawyer. Look, all complaints can be tagged at my TikTok. I'm tagged in the TikToks and me and that person can have a back and forth. And that's fine. Yeah, we're, we're trying. Ultimately, we're trying to keep this as civil as possible possible talk about what's happening um yes there are some opinions behind it yes clearly we're intrigued by some things more than others we think some um arguments are better than others but we're certainly not trying to demean either party um or either side and ultimately what we're looking at is strategy a lot of strategy in politics and in the law and we look forward to continuing to follow that strategy and the law and all of these players in the coming weeks. So, Dr. Vial Chelsea, thank you for staying up with me late at night um, to get this going. All of you, we are 
are holding our breath. And we'll see with you on Friday what the outcome is, whether we start seating a jury, whether there's a, a last minute plea deal and what happens starting Friday and next week. Yes. All right, everybody. Thank you both. And we will catch you next time on the Legal Weekly Wine. Bye.